we are doing a women-owned weed tour. And this is definitely a campaign around raising awareness around women-owned companies. When I go into a dispensary and ask who the women-owned companies are, it's a freaking problem that most dispensaries say, oh, I don't know. It's like, you don't know who owns these companies. That's a problem. This is where cannabis really is poised to help shift not only cannabis, but also technology and social media. Our, our thought process is shifting around how we're buying because the power is in the money and we have consumers are spending the money. So at the end of the day, if you want to make change and you want to help change what's happening, like asking for the things that you want and people should know that they can do that. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello, and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Taravi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to do a quick wellness check with y'all. Nothing crazy, but it's a time to be honest with ourselves. How are you doing? No, seriously, how are you doing? And how are things going for you on your professional cannabis journey? Of course, you don't have to reach out and share with me specifically what is going on. That is unless you want to, but really just want to take a moment to allow us all to reflect on what it is that we are seeking or trying to accomplish in the world today, in this moment specifically, and to invite you to set your hearts and minds on your intent. Feel free to say it out loud, scream it, write it down, or just resonate with it for a few moments and really think and feel where you want to be. If I can be of any service to help guide you towards the next chapter or phase, please do not hesitate to reach out. In case you need the reminder, I am a human being just like you, navigating my own professional and personal journey with cannabis. And I do try to make myself as available as possible to facilitate conversations outside of the podcast with my community. So if you feel compelled, I really, truly encourage you to please connect. I just wanted to share that and remind you of why you hit play today and create some space to just welcome you into today's episode. And my hope is always that these episodes enlighten you and bring you closer to your personal or professional goals. Real talk, this industry moves fast, lightning fast, and we need to constantly be reevaluating and resetting our intention to keep us on the course. So thank you for taking a moment for yourself today and for carving out some time to join me on the podcast. On another note, this week also kicks off the Cannabis Marketing Summit put on by the Cannabis Marketing Association. It's taking place in Denver, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the main days of the conference. So if you're listening to this and you're in the Denver area, you can use code SHADA for $50 off your last minute ticket sales. But shout out to Lisa Buffo. She is the founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. I actually had Lisa on the podcast a few episodes back. So if you're looking for good marketing community, and resources in the cannabis industry, definitely go check that episode out and connect with Lisa's organization. And again, if you'll be at the summit, please reach out and make sure to say hi. It's going to be an awesome time to network. So this episode airs on a Monday and on Tuesday, I'll be hopping on a flight to Denver. I'll be speaking and moderating some panels where I'll be joined by other industry marketing leaders to share our wisdom and insight. And also personally speaking, I will be a sponge soaking up all the goodness that I can not only to implement into my own business, but ultimately to bring back and share on the podcast with y'all. I have some other fun things in store while I'm in Denver, which I cannot share just quite yet, but I will announce in a post event wrap up and definitely be sure to follow along on social media at the shaded Tarabi and at to be blunt pod where I will be sharing more real-time content I just have a very stacked schedule between the conference and doing some fun 
industry tours and meetings and conversations. And certainly there's going to be a lot of fun content created. So I invite you guys to check out my social media channels and join me there for getting the latest scoop. But again, genuinely looking forward to the networking, the community building and the people most of all, because at the end of the day, we're all humans just trying to make our time on this earth purposeful and also to enjoy the ride while it lasts. So that is my hope for today. That is my hope for this week is just to be very intentional with what we're doing, how we're communicating and what direction we are going in. Now transitioning into today's topic and guests, I'm joined by the co-founders of Tokativity, Lisa Snyder and Samantha Montanero. And Tokativity is the global feminist community for active cannabis culture. I'm sure you're thinking like, what does that mean? What does that all entail? Well, they are a global community of active cannabis consumers and business owners that believe in cannabis normalization, equity, and empowerment of a modern consumption culture. They connect through creative, social, and political events and activities and campaigns to work towards creating radical positive change. In this episode, we cover so much from building a dynamic, multidimensional network of females in cannabis and ultimately how to find your tribe, whether it's in person or digital and different degrees of creating and building community to Web3. What the hell is it? I know we've been kind of exploring it here on the podcast. We touch on NFTs because those are some major contributions to what is going to continue to empower the Tokativity membership community. And of course, because we're a marketing podcast, we touch on what tools and platforms they are leveraging to build and bring their brand, Tokativity, to market. So lots was covered in this episode today. Let's get straight to it. Please join me by lighting one up and let's welcome Lisa and Samantha to the show. Hi, everybody. My name is Lisa Snyder. I am the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Tokativity. So excited to be here today. I The first time I ever had smoked weed, I was 14 years old like many of us as teenagers experimenting, I never once thought I would ever be working in weed. But along my life's journey, I became a part of a feminist community, a global one. And simultaneously, both my parents died of cancer five years apart. And I was inspired to cross-pollinate my feminist world with cannabis in support of women's liberation. And I invited some friends over for dinner and Tokativity. I didn't, I just made up a word and I was like, this will be fun. It's like creativity, it's activities, and we'll be toking together. And so we were making vision boards about the kind of life that we wanted to have. And I, as a super web nerd, I've been working on the web since the mid 90s. I grabbed the domain name Tokativity and the social media. I had no idea what I was going to be doing with it, but I just like was like, I'm going to park this and think about it later. And so I kept putting myself in situations where I would be maybe using my intuition about what direction to take. And so I actually went to a Women Grow Networking event. This is where I met Samantha. She had been talking about her consumption-friendly event space, aka her house, aka Prism House. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to this woman. I introduced myself. She gave me her info. I contacted her and then I never contacted her for another year because I was like, not, I don't know. Sometimes when your dreams are coming true, you kind of self-sabotage. I also was planning a wedding and I was like a little overwhelmed, but I saw her again at another woman girl event. And I was like, I have to write her. So I, Sam, Sam and I met and I pitched her on the idea of Tokativity for, it was, it started as a women's event series intention. I had been hosting meetup groups for many years and, you know, with workshops and creative opportunities and, you know, what would become social events, but I didn't know what the, what, what was going to be, what, what, <laughs> what the future was going to be. I just knew I wanted to do this thing. And when I told her what the name of it was or could be, she was like, fuck yes, I'm totally in a hundred percent. And that was really the birth of the idea from a, from like a concept to reality. And I think this is a good bridge to Sam's story. Hi, everybody. I'm Samantha Montanero, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tokativity. I experienced Love at First Toke at age 15 and uh, used recre recreationally all throughout my young adult life. And after having my son in, in 2008, my already 
aching scoliosis and osteoarthritis in my neck exacerbated. It got so much worse. And I was just in so much discomfort. And although I was using cannabis, I was mostly smoking it. And I was hearing that it had these pain relieving qualities to it. And I heard about topicals. In 2014, when I moved to Oregon, I got my medical card and I got my hands on some topicals and they changed my life. And for me, that was really when it went from, you know, I love this plant and I don't understand why it's illegal to like, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is really, this is really powerful medicine. And I started learning more about the drug war from that moment forward and instantly became an activist. I had plans on starting a business and had plans on starting a community center. I'm also a musician. I love to cook. I love to garden. I love to grow food. Um, and I love cannabis. And when cannabis was legalized, it just made sense for it to be a cannabis-centric community space. So Prism House was born. And like Lisa said, over those first couple of years, I hosted nearly like 100 events, like so many, <laughs> so many events, everything from Puff Pass and Paint to, you know, dispensaries, you know, them being able to provide a space for their bud tenders to try products in a safe and professional environment. Also hosted all kinds of community gatherings that didn't have anything to do with cannabis. But my love of weed definitely was in the forefront. And I had done a number of women's events, just one-offs. But when Lisa came to me with like this idea of doing something regular in centering women and their experiencing cannabis, I was just so compelled because I didn't fit the stoner stereotype. I actually did when I was like a teenager. I love I love the hippie vibes. But like as I got older and especially as a mother and as a professional, I really felt like, you know, what does the future of cannabis consumption look like? Well, it looks like me. It looks like, you know, someone who's crushing it in all kinds of different ways and who also uses cannabis and and not this kind of lazy sonar st stigma. So Togativity was born and it's been such a beautiful journey since. I really appreciate you both sharing your story. I think it's one really important, like I was highlighting before we were recording for the listeners, and I love reiterating this for them, you know, getting to hear everybody's different journeys, whether they were consuming from a younger age, which it sounds like both of you were and myself included, which I love being able to talk about loudly and proudly as much and as frequently as I can, but also getting into disrupting some of the stereotypes around cannabis are unfortunately plagued more on the female, on the woman consumer, and realizing that we have an opportunity now as cannabis is going into this more mainstream approach, which we wrestle with on the podcast, right? It's like, oh, well, I hate that it's, you know, being taken over by these big consumer companies and big pharma wants to get their hands involved in it. And what opportunity is there and getting stuck in that minutia, but really kind of coming back to the reality that that is what is happening for better or for worse. And so how do you not be passive to the conversation, but play an active role and be a participant in kind of highlighting these voices? And so I know you touched on what tokativity is, but I know that there's so much more breadth to it. And so to kind of kick off, I would love to get a really good understanding from what is it kind of on pen and paper? And also, what does that look like in person? I know that you have different chapters. There's a membership component. You're doing events. You're certainly doing activism. I mean, what does it look like to operate this company? And kind of what are some of those different touch points that you have to kind of be considerate of? One, yes, as a cannabis business, but two, and kind of predominantly as a business, like what are you bringing to market and trying to create a conversation around? Well, I think that Sam does a great explainer here because we've branched out and it's really exciting to share with everybody how we've done that. So Sam, if you want to share. Yeah, I, I love what you said too about this interesting juxtaposition we're in at this stage in cannabis legalization too, where, where conscious consumerism, conscious capitalism is really becoming a part, you know, social social justice is a part of this conversation. So it's so exciting. So Tokativity is really twofold. We are the world's largest membership-based organization for cannabis-loving feminists. We connect online and in person through different types of events, through campaigns, through tours. We do all kinds of different things in the Tokativity space. We really want to highlight women and BIPOC-owned businesses in the space. 
We want to highlight social enterprises that are for-profit businesses who have a mission like ours. And we want to empower women and, and really everybody in their professional and personal growth. Based on this idea that we really have one life and cannabis and plant medicine and community can really like bring it all, bring it all home. So that's one, that's one main aspect of Tokativity. The other is Tokativity Creative, our full service agency collective. We work to amplify equitable brands in this space and empower consumers to make educated choices on who they're supporting. So we offer everything from content creation to PR to creative campaigns. We want to work with brands, you know, that, like I said, are, are really in alignment with, with what we're doing because we see this opportunity for cannabis to literally change the fabric of late stage capitalism. We're in a late stage place right now. Obviously, things are not working so great for most people. And, you know, we feel deeply that it's obvious that there's an, an, an imbalance in the global feminine and masculine energy. We all have that internally. And then we see that externally as well. So Tokativity and Tokativity Creative, we've, we feel really excited about the idea of people personally empowering themselves to balance their own inner feminine and masculine and for that to be reflected outside as well through social justice, creative campaigns, all the things that we love to do. All right. I would like to add one more thing. We also are starting our journey into the Web3 space. This totally aligns with, you know, trying to next level our and unplug our dependency on five companies who run everything. And I'm really excited to be talking more about the decentralization movement and crypto and NFTs and how women and BIPOC folks can get involved in that. We're actually just are working on a our first NFT project in collaboration with a company called Thrice based out of New York City and it's a woman owned company. And we're really excited to do more projects like this where we get to be creative and also amplify those brands and equitable companies that are trying to make a mark and who aren't really certain how to do that in the Web3 space. You know, it's like really cool, Lisa, because like I we what we obsess about and and like she was saying, is this like using like plant medicine, but then also like technology to change the world. It's so exciting. It's it's beautiful. Well, these are for sure conversations that are happening right like outside of the cannabis industry. And so it's how do you incorporate? And I think that goes into how do you normalize? How do you raise awareness? I mean, you're talking about all these social justice issues slash concerns, which I think people don't really fully realize. And it's really remarkable. This podcast has opened that like door wide open for me in the understanding, which again, my listeners are not foreign to. They hear me talk about it all the time. Just the disparity of different states running their operations differently to how you were going to actually get a license what opportunities there are when it gets into funding and like the list goes on and on. And I think, you know, from a consumer perspective, not to belittle the consumer, but the conversation is very one dimensional, in my opinion, for the most part, where they're like, yeah, legalization, but they don't really understand what legalization actually means or what the impact of a blanket term like legalization actually does to the industry or specifically, realistically to minorities, right? And so I always talk to speaking from someone in Texas, we own a CBD brand, people always assume, oh, you're gonna, you know, get into marijuana when Texas legalizes. And I'm like, that is, and I always, I have to like bite my tongue to not be a jerk to these people. But it's like, that's so ignorant of you to assume that because I'm in an aspect of the industry that when things open up that I will have a front row seat or a ticket because I was here. It's like, you don't understand how legalization goes and how opportunity goes. And so I think it's it, like you have to address it in order to actually contribute to making progress in the industry. And so obviously that is such an ethos for your brand because you really want to not just like be a part of the conversation, but shift the conversation. And so kind of in that vein on activism, on social justice, on just lifting up these voices, that's like one aspect, right? But how do you actually implement and kind of go about, I guess, creating some of the change? And maybe you have some examples of initiatives. You're talking about campaigns. I don't know if campaigns are like, you know, strictly on the 
fun side, if that's a fair way to kind of like cap it. But you know what I mean? Like there's obviously important issues that also can be a campaign that a company can go bring to market and raise awareness around. And so I'm really curious, knowing that this is such a big component of your business, like how do you start to actually make change in this conversation? Because you look at states like New York, where they're seems to be a lot more consideration for minority applications and even allowing home grow. But then you have certain states that don't allow home grow or they're really limited in who's actually going to get a license. And so when you're looking at opportunity in this industry, there's obviously the business side, but then I'm sure there's also what you can probably talk on just normalizing it for people in general to be consuming it and be comfortable consuming it and being proud no matter what industry they're in, no matter if they physically work in cannabis or they just are a mom of three kids who like doesn't want to be shamed for using cannabis during, you know, her fourth pregnancy. So I'm just curious kind of from your approach, how you like how you recognize these conversations and how you actually start to like create change to be implemented that we see happening in the industry. I think one of the best ways right now is utilizing social media. Everybody has a phone in their pocket. Everybody has is on something, you know, whether you're on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or LinkedIn. These are like some of the main ones that most people are on. This is the global conversation that can be shared very quickly. And we've seen how media has played a major role in even mindset around a lot of things. And so some of the mindset that we all still have and are undoing, and it's going to take a minute, is all of the media that was created during Prohibition. That's why all these people think that marijuana is bad and everything. You know, it's there's all this language that people are using in their own minds and conversations still. And so I think that media and social media specifically is a huge opportunity to change stigmas and conversations very rapidly. I'm sure that there are a lot of bigger conversations that we can all have with campaigns, which are more long term, which are more strategic. And I'm sure Sam can share a little bit of wisdom in that arena. But I think everybody has the opportunity to make change happen anywhere with their own phones and their own voices. Heck yeah. Well, and this is why we actually just launched a collaboration with the Mommy Jane. Um, we just released an 85 page guide and 75 plus videos. This program on using your voice to help change the stigmas around cannabis using social media. So if listeners are interested in that, they can go to our website and find that. But you know, Shada, like you were saying, How does legalizing something and bringing it into the racist, oppressive system that created it, how does that solve anything? It actually doesn't solve anything. And like you were saying, people who are in it right now, it, you know, what? So if you were growing weed in the 80s, you know, does that mean you're getting an opportunity to have a license right now? Like, hell no. You know, this is this is really, yeah, the disparity is real. And we live again in a, in a post-capitalist society where there's a lot of money tipped on one side and money talks. So yeah, like Lisa was saying, some of the campaigns that we've done, we love getting creative. And I love that you also used the word fun before because tokativity is most definitely fun. Like the world is crazy and the drug war is bullshit, but like, you know, there's a fun, beautiful, creative element to cannabis. Cannabis is feminine and, and creativity itself is a feminine quality. This is not a masculine quality. Like only the feminine body can create literally new life. So it is a feminine thing to look at things through a creative lens. So a few of the campaigns that we've done, and we are definitely politically active. We've advocated for a lot of different uh, measures that have gone, you know, gone on, whether it's around social justice or around certain representatives. But we've been really enjoying working with brands on getting creative on changing some of the narratives. So we did we did a really fun campaign with Happy Kitchen, who's an edible company here in Oregon. And we did a campaign, a recipe competition where people could submit their recipes to become an edible that would be released in a limited edition. And, you know, it's like even just that thought of like, oh my God, I didn't even think that like this, you know, this little date nut bar that I make all the time, like what if weed was in this? I didn't even think about that, you know? And it like that kind of stuff, I think really helps change people's minds. We did, we did an art campaign as well, where artists can submit their art of an interpretation of a certain strain. We are doing a women-owned weed tour. And this is definitely a campaign around raising awareness around women-owned companies. 
when I go into a dispensary and ask who the women-owned companies are, it's a freaking problem that most dispensaries say, uh, I don't know. It's like, you don't know who owns these companies. That's a problem. This is where cannabis really is poised to help shift, like not only cannabis, but also technology and social media. Our, our thought process is shifting around how we're buying because the power's in the money and we have consumers are spending the money. So at the end of the day, if you want to make change and you want to help change what's happening, like asking for the things that you want and people should know that they can do that, that they can be like, hey, what black owned farms are you do you have on the shelf? And if people start asking that question, it becomes a problem if you don't have diverse representation on that shelf, you know, so I think this is where Tokativity does a really good job of like kind of the nuances of like personal to professional, like it. It all comes down to me as an individual consumer, actually, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, right? Everybody. And then from an industry perspective, how can we get brands, people who do have money, people who are maybe coming from another industry who didn't realize that there is this beautiful opportunity to actually make big change and big bucks? I think that is so spot on to kind of distill it down into realizing one, yes, the consumer is evolving and changing. And I definitely want to get into a little bit of the Web3 and the NFT stuff, too, because I just came back from South by and that was a huge topic. And it was like, whoa, over my head, even though I come from technology. But before we get there, I want to just kind of, you know, touch a little bit more on empowering this new generation of consumer who is coming online, even in conversations, you know, both here on the podcast and just in my personal life, we talk about you now have, I don't want to say children because they're 21 years old, but you have young adults who are 21 in states like Oregon, states like Colorado, California, who are coming online into a marketplace where there has been no, I guess, like understanding or really like reason to participate in maybe the history of cannabis, right? Like they don't really see it where it was illegal and has gone through this chaos. Even myself coming from, you know, my background here in, in Texas, where it is still illegal, I had to grow up going to different dealers and realizing, oh, why is this plant this way? But didn't have the full, you know, understanding beyond just, oh, the war on drugs. Well, I've heard of that. But is that really, really what has, you know, imposed all this turmoil in this industry. And so starting to dig into that more and more just over the past couple of years, professionally being in the industry, but realizing you have this consumer who maybe doesn't come from that background. And so how do you empower them one to kind of understand this is where we came from and then this is where we're going. And also you as the consumer do have a choice in who you shop with and whose product you buy and your money talks. But it is then an interesting mix of like, how do you empower that consumer? How do you touch that consumer to inspire them or to create some sort of touch point? And so I really appreciated those campaign ideas that you shared, because I think that is where I think cannabis, sometimes we we stick to the stigma, unfortunately, even though we say we don't want to stick to the stigma, like the amount of brands that I see that are like just going right back to the Rasta, which is like, no, no offense to anybody who like loves or like, you know, identifies with that. But there are new consumers and they want to talk about other things like baking and having really great family recipes. And why not throw, you know, your grandma's like lemon drop cookie smash pie, whatever in the mix to be turned into an edible and engaging with consumers in this new way. And so I love hearing, you know, those, you know, Shida, I have to say though, here's the thing about the young consumer is they're more educated than we ever were because they have technology at their fingertips. So they're actually coming in knowing way more because they, they can, they can access it. Where like, I was like, oh my God, I went on Eurowid.com, like at the like at my college computer you know library or whatever because I was like what if they can track my computer and they see that I'm looking up drugs online <laughs> you know and now it's like people are making TikToks about their vaping like you know and but as a mother I will say you know this is part of it too like our generation grew up with like just say no and then we're like okay that's sort of bullshit and so there is this like the middle-aged consumer who has children is there are more people choosing to educate their kids. So I feel like this combo is like, I actually feel like they get it. And, and it's like, it's, 
you know, this from like age 30 up, it's like, you know, you're really kind of dealing with the, with the background. But I think like even their understanding of systemic racism, their understanding of oppression, their understanding of how democracy actually doesn't really work. And this is really weird. And, you know, they, I feel like they already really get these things because they've, they're living through some really revolutionary times where we're all connected with computers in our pocket. I mean, it's, it's wild. Well, yeah, Lisa, you made that point early on too, right? It's being acknowledging that we have these very powerful devices in our pockets. And so how do you arm them being as a brand or as a can of consumer who wants to talk more publicly and openly on your own personal platform, on your business platform, or connecting your brand to a dispensary and using social media. But I can't help but, you know, address, which I feel like anytime we talk about social media on the podcast, we're always like, let's talk about censorship. But I'm curious from your perspective, how that plays into, I mean, I know you guys are on all the social media platforms, like you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram. How do you feel leaning into these platforms where you don't own your information and you are on a threat of being pulled or your content being flagged or losing it all in the fight for, you know, progressive acknowledgement and acceptance and advocating and ultimately trying to, you know, be an advocate for cannabis? Well, we learned that really early on because we were on Eventbrite. And for those who don't know, we launched in on January 15th, 2017, five days before inauguration of our previous president. And so we were using Eventbrite at the time and our most popular event that we've ever had, the most attendees ever, Witchy Woman 2017. Eventbrite shut us down in the middle of like a day before the party. And I found a back door to get our, our at least our guest list. But I was determined, like, we cannot depend on the man's tools to run our business. Like, this is a light being shined on this issue right now that we need to make a change right now. We need to have more control over information. And so I built a membership-based platform, not only for us to have our own information and to have our own membership relationship, but also so that we can have consumption events and then they can be private, which we did for many years. So that was an amazing choice for us because we have been able to like, we don't own, nobody owns anybody, right? But you do own your own data. And when you give your users permission to email you, you know, that is an amazing, amazing tool. And email still to this day is a great tool. Obviously, social media is also a great tool. So that was step one, was making sure that we had a place to get people from all those places because you cannot depend on one or two or three social medias to like run your business because we all know 17 people who've gotten their accounts shut down. And now they're starting from scratch and they depended so heavily, especially on Instagram for many, many people. So you have to get really creative. You have to funnel them back to where you own the information. And many times that's your own website or your own email list. I think that's really a very important conversation because it is, it's like the dual edge sword. You need these social media platforms because that is where people are obviously playing. They're, they're hanging out there. Like that's where they're existing on these platforms. But then at the same time, you do want to own that information. You want to own that data. You want to be able to pull it back to something that you can leverage in the, you know, unfortunate instance that you get shut down or pulled off of your platform, which you mentioned and my listeners know I was shut down my personal Instagram over the holiday break for four days and grateful to have gotten it back. But that's not always the case for everybody. And so it is just something, you know, to when you're building a business to implement and like plan for how you are going to navigate around these tools that you need to be on and these platforms you need to play with, but also structuring your business so that you have some ownership of it. So I love hearing that you were like, okay, F you Eventbrite, I'm just going to go make my own platform that I can run my operations off of and create an experience for your members that is custom to what you're trying to create and inclusive of all the conversations that you want to have. And stable at the end of the day, because I think that that is a challenge that we in the cannabis industry are always running up against, which is crap. I'm building this, this thing, this empire, this business, this beautiful 
you know, project that I want to bring to life. And then, okay, someone well, else's but, sand. You're building on something. Yeah, so exactly. Sand. Someone else's sand. So it is exactly that. Building your platform on the right foundation, like from the get go, can like set you up for more success. And I think, you know, part of this podcast is to help, you know, let people glean into some of those hardships that we've endured so that they can maybe make smarter choices moving forward. I would love to share, like, if you view social media as, as solely lead generation and you focus on your, your funnel, this is how you get conversion. Like you, you, you know, you don't go to an event. Like, why do you go to an event? Do you go to a networking event, right? Like you're not trying to like own that event or whatever. It's like, but you have an opportunity to meet a whole bunch of people there. And then it's what you do with them once you have their information. So this is what social media and all these different platforms provide an opportunity for. And I think that's very valuable insight that if you start it from the ground up, viewing it as lead generation and focus on how you're bringing people to the, the inf- a way that you can control email. Email is always going to be queen there because it's, it's a beautiful way to connect with people. It's like a letter to their front door and you'll never lose that. You know, email's not going anywhere. It is an interesting thing, though, when you start getting into, which we don't have to go into that web hole, but just for the listeners for like a brief little like, you know, for like intermission. Google. Yes, like uh, whatever. I mean, actually, do we own anything well, at like all? What just platform are you on? And so it's just something, you know, getting into technologies. It's so fascinating. My background prior to getting in the industry, I worked in the tech world. And so, okay, I'm going to go build an e-commerce website. Great. What platform am I going to use? Awesome. And my e-com friends are like, well, just use Shopify and you hear murmurs of Shopify being open to CBD and certain products in the cannabis space. But then when you're actually putting the pen to paper and you're going through the sign up, it's, oh, well, we actually can't sell flour. And well, we can't let you sell anything full spectrum. And you're like, okay, so I can sell pure topicals. <laughs> like what product can I actually sell? Or maybe if you're making a, you know, I don't want to say anything negative, but like a cannabis candle, right? Like, I don't know if a cannabis candle, there's actually cannabis in it versus just the smell of cannabis. That might is a different business than if you were actually trying to sell products for consumption on some of these platforms. And so we're going through it right now. My tech stack is Square for my POS and retail because I'm CBD and my e-com is WordPress, WooCommerce, but we're stuck with loyalty. We're married to Square because they're who my POS is, but finding a loyalty solution to allow us to grow and scale and to kind of, you know, both of your words be in community with our customers is a nightmare. And so it's like currently something that I'm like, okay, how do I figure out this component that is a barrier to entry for me to expand my business in a way that is meaningful to my customers and to my community that I'm trying to build? And so I just didn't want that thought to be lost because it is one of those things like, yeah, there's all these platforms, but also finding the right platform and the right mix for what you're building is really important. It is. And you have to be on your tips because you could get shut down at any point in time. And lots of people have had that experience. And so I always have a couple of backup plans up my sleeve. But ultimately, like we're all very vulnerable right now, you know, and the more control you can have over your stuff. For example, you know, we have some basic code that we built our site off of and we make custom pieces for ourselves. So we don't have to go finding somebody else's solution. We are building our own solution. And if you can do that, that is the preferred choice. Obviously, that takes money, time, knowledge, energy, et cetera, to do. Then you have to you have to use some of these tools. And I think it's amazing that you found a couple platforms that are supportive. I want to make one note about Shopify. It's not about Shopify not supporting it. It's about the payment processor that doesn't support it. And there are a lot of payment processors out there and there are high risk ones. And that's actually the ones you want to partner with if you can. And if you can make it work with your technologies, if you're doing e-commerce stuff, those are the people that are more likely to do, you know, like porn or sex toy shops or those kind of things. They consider them high risk. And some companies are more open to CBD and cannabis adjacent stuff right now, but it is a risk for their banks. That's why you can't do that right now until the Banking Act, you know, passes or whatever, or it's decriminalized. We will be in this situation with e-commerce. Cool. 
quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. It is an unfortunate reality to your point. Yes, it is usually on the payment merchant side. The other thing that I noticed too is closed platforms versus open platforms. So obviously every social media platform that we're engaging with is a closed platform. It's like, oh, Instagram, why are you doing this to me? It's like, well, because they're a closed platform, they make the terms of service. And so similarly with Shopify, while they are supportive of CBD or cannabis adjacent businesses, they are a closed platform. And so you are limited to play within their confines versus a platform like WordPress, which is open source. And so you have open support. It's not always most supported because you're kind of leaving it up to whoever's made some plugin or made some, you know, development that can support what you're doing. But those are kind of the uncomfortable crevices that I feel like we have to shimmy into as cannabis brands and businesses. It's like, okay, what's going to, what's going to happen today? And how do I like navigate into it? But with that said, I want to touch on Web3 and NFTs because again, I like I mentioned, I came from South by. It was a huge topic. Amongst other things, cannabis was very loud and proud at South by as well this year, which was super awesome to see. But NFTs to me at first, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like people are just like selling art online. What is the value of this art? I don't own anything tangible. But South by taught me, which my brain is like spinning because I'm like, oh, you guys do membership. Like this makes so much sense. When you are applying NFTs to this like exclusive community, something that you are building that is a tangible extension of what you're maybe offering in the physical world into something digital that then also reinforces the physical. Like a small example, there was a concert that was happening at South by that you couldn't get into. It was by Diplo. I was like really pissed because I do love Diplo, but you couldn't get into the Diplo concert unless you owned this NFT. And so it was a private concert for NFT owners of, I think the NFT was called Doodle or something like that. So I understand now the value of NFTs, but I know nothing about how to actually implement it. And so I'm curious with your tech background, was this something that you were like, yes, NFTs, I'm tracking it. I got to be a part of it. I'm on the forefront because I feel cannabis people are talking about it, but I haven't seen anything like actually be absorbed that I'm like, yes, but I'm excited because I think what you're about to say is going to make a lot of sense to me and a lot of the listeners. So I'm really curious how y'all are approaching this. I'm super tech nerd. I grew up in a tech-friendly household. My dad worked for CBS television. So I became comfortable with technology from basically birth. So I have a little bit more, I think, sometimes experimental mentality when it comes to this. And I think a lot of tech forward people do. And you don't, I mean, we're all now experimenting with our phones and everything. So everybody is in that bucket. And this is an everybody thing. And I think that with the word NFT being thrown around and jumping over the hub, like the... <laughs> Jumping over Bitcoin and all that stuff, like this is definitely a whole new technology for a lot of people. And a lot of folks want to be hands off because they don't understand it. And so we are working with Amanda Ryman, who founded Sacred Garden. We're making some educational content specifically around these topics. We're also going to be, I'm going to be working with Amanda and women employed in cannabis doing some educational content as well. So I just want to put that out there because like, it's going to take a minute to grasp, especially for those who don't, who don't come from a background like you or I, who are afraid and are like, I don't understand this. Therefore, I don't want to know. And this is actually the pivot point of where women and BIPOC folks need to educate themselves and you know, use what we're going to be creating and find other people out there that are inspiring and help you clarify what it is you're actually looking for. But you don't want to miss this moment. You absolutely don't. And so last year I was feeling like I don't understand and I felt myself backing away and I was like, I need to lean in. So I did a, bit, a bunch of research and that was when that $69 million NFT was sold and I was like, there's something really big here we need to be looking at. I also was reading a lot of, about 12-year-olds making millions of dollars with NFTs. So I was like, all right, if 12-year-olds can do it, I can do it too. So I dug in, I learned a lot. And I think what everybody needs to know right now is step one, you need to be paying attention. Like, do not ignore this moment. Listen, 
listen to me. <laughs> don't ignore this moment because you you don't want to miss the boat. Like you have in other opportunities. Why are there a lot of like rich folks who aren't really sharing secrets? Because they don't want you to know the secrets. This is an opportunity to get into the secrets. And what are the secrets? It's like, how do you make money or how do you get access to these exclusive things? They can be access to other things like a concert or like special things like Gary Vaynerchuk has his collection of V friends. You get access to his conference and you have to have the NFT in order to get access to the conference. So there's an event tie here. That's not always the case. There are actually pieces of artwork that go for several hundred thousand dollars just because there's so much hype around them. And that the community who built them made that hype. And there's a wide range of things that are very valuable and not valuable at all. And in the future, we don't really know what's going to be valuable or not. But right now, NFTs are definitely something that you want to tap into, whether you're becoming an NFT investor. And it doesn't even take that much money or Ethereum. Or you're making and creating a project around your brand. This is a huge opportunity, especially for the cannabis industry to actually cross over into technology and get people who are have been into tech, but not really, you know, kit into cannabis or vice versa. A lot of actually vice versa, where people have been to cannabis, not so much in tech. This is an awesome opportunity to tap in. And I look forward to sharing more about our NFT project with Thrice in the coming months. Yeah, I wanted to chime in here and say too, I think something that's really beautiful about the NFT and Web3 space and just the the implementation of like technology into everything we do is that there's a real opportunity for you to really find your people. Like community is happening through this. So that's also a really important piece that digital community, you know, prior to social media, prior to virtual reality, prior to all of these digital spaces, we were forced physically to make community with the people who are right around us. Part of globalization is being able to find your people, the people that have all the things in common with you. There's lots of us out there, right? And it's really beautiful and exciting to think about in that way. And the one other thing that I wanted to share, because I'm on my own journey of like understanding this and uh, grateful to have Lisa as my business partner. Let's just put it that way. But I was at a conference recently having a conversation about NFTs and somebody described something in a way that really clicked for me. So non-fungible token. So non-fungible is like it can't be faked. And why is this? It's because it's on the blockchain and the blockchain technology is, you know, it's it's like the way that they described it as even a title of a house can be faked. And this scam happens to people like pretty regularly where someone will literally like, oh, they all of a sudden own your house. And you're like, what just happened? Like what just happened? Because although the title process is like, you know, quote unquote, ironclad, you like go through all of these steps. Like I own this house. I have the title to this house. I have the bank transaction that I bought this house. People can still somehow scam you and make that happen. So somebody, this this person at this conference was like, the future of NFTs is really functional, actually. Of Like you buy a house, you get an NFT. There is one NFT per property and it is non-fungible. It's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So that's like a really cool way to put it. I think that when we think about the future of application that some people are like, oh, this is a fad. No, it's not. This is, this is a part of the future of the systems that support the fabric of the world that we live in right now. I think that's it right there. It's just understanding that this is not going away. And to your point too, Lisa, right? Like people need to pay attention to this. And it's how do we get an industry of cannabis conscious business owners, consumers, everybody who, you know, identifies as someone who enjoys this plant to realize the community aspect of it, because it is something that you can kind of be a part of and like transact different experiences or accessibility to certain opportunities. But then also, how do you capitalize to use kind of like, you know, a, a dirty word? How do you capitalize on these evolutions happening in our in our not industry, like you just like in our lifetime, right? And it's like this is a direction and a trend that is happening. And so how do you participate in it and kind of use it for good and benefit for your business, for your community, for yourself? So you don't, you know, kind of get left behind. I think Lisa, you wanted to say something too. Yeah, this this movement right now, the Web3 movement is very community oriented. And we're going to see this explode in like over the next five to 10 years. You're going to hear more language around DAOs where they're like community based decision making 
pods, if you will, and everybody benefits. It's kind of like Facebook groups and how everybody kind of like after the election went into their Facebook groups because they're like, oh, I need to like be around my people or whatever. But nobody's benefiting from that other than just being able to talk to each other or maybe share a link here and there. With the DAOs, people benefit financially and there's like decision making that can happen that's decentralized. It's not one person or one company deciding. And that's what we're all sick of, right? We don't want one person deciding everything. We don't want one person, you know, taking our, our data and selling it. So the part of your question around how do we benefit from this, it's like step one is education, like constantly like seeking out information about that. I think the second part of this is for NFTs specifically, if you're learning about these projects early on and you can invest a little bit of money, sometimes it's like, I'm going to use dollars, US dollars, but like sometimes it's like $20 and that's $100, whatever. Somehow, some way, and this is something that Amanda and I are going to be talking about, you know that a project is has a lot of backing. A lot of people are supportive of it and they have a lot maybe marketing dollars to be telling people about it. These things sell out very fast. So if you can get your hands on an NFT or if you're an influencer out there who is like, hey, give me an NFT and I'll promote your project, which we're doing that a little bit more as we experiment with different avenues of NFT supporting that movement, you know, who knows how much that NFTs can be worth. And some of these, if you go on OpenSea, which is a like, it's kind of like the eBay of NFTs, you go on there and you can see like there are things from from different collections that are like over a hundred grand that because the work that they did to, for promotion, for getting people excited about it, whatever, they did all that work. Now those things are worth hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars. And people think, wow, <laughs> this is where they disconnect. This is, this is the opportunity to actually plug in. Why is that? Instead of, oh my God, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Make the choice now to not fear wealth and wealth building. Make the choice now to not fear technology because you don't understand everything about it. You don't need to understand everything about it. And for brands, this is an opportunity for you to create and be on the edge and the cutting edge. And I know the cannabis industry and the plant medicine industry loves being on the cutting edge. They love it. And I do too. <laughs> You're speaking to all of us. We're like, yes, Lisa, go on. Yes. <laughs> This is an important time for you to tap in and like, what is your NFT project going to be? What is your thing that you're going to be crossing over? It can even just start with one. And there, I'll just, I'll leave this here because I know I could talk about this a lot. NFTs can be one special NFT, like there's only one in the whole entire world, or you can have like a hundred different copies of it or a thousand. You decide how many, but the more rare something is, the more unique it is, the more it will be worth to somebody. I feel like I just got the best like deep dive on not only NFTs, but certainly the application of it back to the cannabis industry, which we've been discussing this whole conversation, right? We exist in an industry that really thrives on education and thrives on access to education. And so being able to leverage these different technologies and platforms to extend ourselves as a consumer into conversations that can empower the overall direction of a conversation and hopefully implement some, you know, great improvement for social justice. But also from a business perspective, how can you lean into these, I don't want to just call it a trend, right? Because I think this is here to say this is the next step. This is kind of like that stepping block um, into web three as we transition out of web two or, or what was web two evolves. But yeah, it's a lot of food for thought of like, how do we as cannabis business owners or entrepreneurs or marketers or creatives maybe take some of these ideas like you were talking about to Samantha of these campaigns, but how do you maybe run it through this NFT and kind of group it all or tie it all together? Maybe not a nice bow, but in, you know, a string that kind of connects everything together. That really is something that can like up level the conversation, up level the industry and create a new playing field for us to exist in that is more dynamic and everlasting than kind of what we're dealing with today, which unfortunately to kind of, you know, continue to beat the dead horse. It's like, man, I put things on Instagram and then like, Maybe a month later, they take that content down or in some instances, it's like you create something and then like months later, it's like, I want to take this post that you made in 2020 down. I'm like, I don't understand your rhyme or reason. And I just want to be me and talk about what I love to talk about. So very, very fascinating. You know, at Tokativity, we often compare the work we're doing to mycelium, to mushrooms. And everything that we've been talking about today is the mycelial network of the fruit of change. 
So like, you know, what does the fruit look like in the long, in the, in the bigger picture? Well, it looks like literally breaking down all of these systems that are not serving the greater good. And, you know, it's, it's all tied together, whether it's your personal choice around, you know, using plant medicine and really tapping into your intuition, not just listening to a doctor tell you, well, this is wrong with you. You need to do this. Ask yourself that question. You know, the answer actually. You know, modern medicine is very helpful, but like you, you actually know more food is medicine, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then flipping the other side of the coin of like technology and this ability to create community with it, like on this global scale to redistribute wealth on a global scale. This is big stuff. It's really, really exciting. I almost like want to end the podcast there, but I have like one final question just because I think it can sum it up and also gain some kind of like final perspective from you two. We're talking about community. We're talking about technology. You have this beautiful global network of predominantly women, but, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, degrees of of who encompasses in that. But how do you look at what you're doing and how do you empower your community of members and even like chapter owners to subscribe? Like maybe there's, you know, a tool that you use. Maybe there's a philosophy that you share. How do you kind of bring people into, I think you were talking about it earlier, Samantha, too, like, you know, we all find people who we resonate with or want to have conversations with. So how do you kind of tap into that bigger idea of simply building a community? How do you build the Tokativity community and empower people and get them on board with what you believe is, you know, this future of this beautiful community that we're all trying to foster? Yeah, well, we we developed our Womanifesto. People can read it at tokativity.com slash womanifesto. And it's kind of our guiding principles that that I think end up being a magnet for the type of folks that are a part of the Tokativity community. Some of the things in the Womanifesto are, we envision a world in which the cannabis, psychedelic, and intersectional feminist movements heal our communities and our earth. We envision a world in which people are free to make choices around their consumption. We envision a world in which plant medicine consuming parents don't have fear of losing their children. We believe that all people are capable of radical self-healing. We commit to anti-racism work for ourselves and our community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a number of statements that we've made that are really our our guiding light. And then we offer a really wide variety of memberships that I think kind of meet people where we're at, where they're at. Our grassroots membership is really about community access. You can also post on our community blog. You get access to a resource list that has all kinds of things, member perks and that kind of stuff. Our Creative Pro membership is for people who are interested in connecting in the influencer, content creators, creativity, journalists, um, mark, you know, content creators. Yep. That this, this whole movement. Yeah, absolutely. Media. And what comes with that is you're actually a part of direct of a directory that brands can tap into. So you're you're actually getting opportunities to grow your personal brand and getting the opportunity to be inspired by other creatives through that. Our business membership comes with public speaking opportunities, recommended resources, digital advertising coupon, job board access. We get lots of media. We pass that book on to our members and for the people who you know, are in alignment with that. And finally, we have our brand partnership and what comes with this is actual content creation and where we really work with you on a deeper level with your brand to not only amplify it throughout the Tokativity network, but to really tell your story because we need to hear, the people need to hear more stories around brands who are doing things differently. It's incredibly powerful. One of our favorite brands right now that we're working with that has been really shining a light on what's possible is this wholesale distribution company called Nimble Distro. And they're a social enterprise. What does that mean? It means that they're a second chance employer. They literally hire people out of prison who have been in prison for cannabis crimes. They have benefits and perks that I think a lot of places don't like providing food and, you know, just kind of cush benefits and insurance department and stuff like this. And then they have a built in part of their business model where they give back a percentage of they have a brand called Kites, their pre-rolls. They give 50 cents of every pack 
to New Project, which if you don't know New Project, they're actively redistribute funds to people who have been impacted by the drug war. So it's like, this is how you do. This is how you make the money. And this is how you give back. And this is how you keep things feeling good. It's it's so powerful. So, you know, they're they're a good example of one of our brand partners that we're working with on a variety of different campaigns right now of like telling their story because it's like, that's so inspiring. How did you even think to do this? You know, we're like wholesalers in cannabis, they're drug dealers, right? Like they've got a bunch of different products and then they get into the, like, how do they get it out there? And it's like taking what used to be a quote unquote drug dealer and making it a beautiful social enterprise that is employing people and creating an environment that people want to be at. It's really special. This is like, this is how we look at change, you know? So I hope that gave you a better snapshot of like how tokativity empowers people. I did want to mention too. So with COVID, we we kind of shut down our chapters. Like we just couldn't do in-person stuff and it, it really wasn't making sense. So we pivoted onto the digital space and we're, we're still figuring out like what's next because it's not like this is exactly over. We're still kind of in it. In the meantime, we're going to be doing more tours in our Tokativa tour bus to show up and toke up and support all kinds of different people and brands and meet people in the community and get people together because it really does come down to those. As much as we love connecting online and we've talked a lot about the digital community, at the end of the day, sometimes you just need your flipping neighbor to come over and smoke a bowl with you. You know, the full spectrum connection between that local personal community and then the digital movement, the the bigger picture movement, knowing what's going on in the ground on in other locations. We obsess over this and we're we're really dedicated to providing a space through our new app that will hopefully come out in the next year or something. Whoever knows when that's going to happen, but we've been working on it for a long time. And, and that digital, you know, that digital connection is, is the conduit for, for, I think, uh, radical change. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi. 